together. We are starting Chumash um, Vayikra, and uh, we are learning from Chelek Yudzayin, Vayikra Gimel. And we are learning this morning, as we have been doing, L'schus Rafoshlema Varav Yosef Yitzchak Mansima Chasya, and also with um, tremendous emotion and, and, and hope and, and prayer in our hearts that everyone in the conflict area should be safe and should be able to leave if they have to leave. And those that can't leave should somehow have misim and flies. And ultimately what we're asking for is that there should be shalom there and all over. Um, we're in, uh, again, Mayikra Gimel, Chelek Yudzayin, Sif Aleph. The Pasuk, so in our Parsha, in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Tezbab, the Torah says, V'krivoy ha-kayin el ha-mizbeach. The Kayin should bring close, um, and this is referring to a korban oila in the form of a bird rather than in the form of an animal. And the Kayin should bring the bird close to the mizbeach. Umalak is reishay. And uh, the way that the bird was, the life of the bird was terminated in terms of a korban was very specific. It was nipped off. Behiktir ha and it should be burnt on the mizbeach. And the blood of the bird should be pressed out or wrung out or squeezed out upon the um, the wall of the Mizbeach. Hetik Rashi mina kasov. So Rashi cites from the Pasuk, as hateva is venimtsa damai, that the blood should be pressed out or wrung out. And Uperish, and he explains that the word venimtsa is lashain mitz apayim, is similar to the terminology used in a pasuk in Mishle, which means to wring out the anger. Um, so the word venimtsa is not an oft-cited word in the Torah, which is why Rashi feels compelled to explain to the Chamesh Lamikra and all of us that um, it's related etymologically to the term mitz, which means to wring or to press or to compress or to squeeze. He efes hamatz, and then he brings down a pasuk from Yeshayahu uh, that the milking or the ringing has come to an end. And then Rashi explains what was done practically. So first Rashi gives us two psukim, one from Mishle and one from Yeshayahu that use the same shoresh, that use the same root, the same edemat. Then he says, koivesh beis hashchita, that what the Kayim would do would be press the site of where the bird was slaughtered, in this case, nipped off. Al-Kir HaMizbeach. So it would be pressed against the wall of the Mizbeach. Bahadam Mismatze And the blood would get pressed out and it would trickle down or flow down the wall of the Mizbeach. Ubepashtos. And it would seem simply Rashi has come here to explain what the word venimtsa means. It's a word that was not mentioned until this very point in the Torah. 
And it's not something that you trip upon often in the Torah. And therefore Rashi explains that this is related to words that we do found later in Tanakh, not in the Torah itself, um, but one in the Ksuvim, one in the scriptures in Mishle, and one in the prophets in the Nevi'im in Yeshayah. So here, the Rebbe has five, six questions, sorry, six questions on this Rashi, which I think if we would read, our eyes would just glaze over and be like, okay, whatever next. This is like, there's nothing here. One. The first question is, why does Rashi, in one deeper Hamaschil, in one instance of giving us commentary, combine both the two citations where the same edaman is used, as well as an explanation of what it was that would actually be done when this kind of carbon was born? Lichayra, it would seem. Im kavanas Rashi lefarish is based hamitzui. If what Rashi wants to do is explain to us exactly how the blood was pressed out, squeezed out, wrung out, whatever word you want to use, that should have been in a separate Dibor Hamaskil. That should have been in a separate part of his commentary. First, give us context for the usage of this word at all. Show us where else in the, in the Ksuvim or in the Nevi'im, in the Tanakh, this Edaman is used. And then in a separate Dibra Maschil, tell us what was actually done. But Rashi puts them together. That's question number one. Bez. Madua Hutzrach Rashi Lahabishte Rayas Halperish Benim Savalehis Tapik Ba'achas Mehen. The next question is why does Rashi feel compelled to bring us two citations rather than one? If what he wants to do is just say to us, look here, I know you're not familiar with this word, but this word does appear elsewhere in Tanakh. Good. Okay. So why? Why, why is one not enough? Gimel. The next question is, once he's giving us more than one, why stop at two? Why don't you give us all of the instances in which this edaman is used in Tanakh? The Rebbe says there are many other, there are many other places where this shayrish, where this edaman is used. Why don't you give us others? And of the others, why do you give us these two specifically? Dafka, Dalit, Yisiramizu, more so, Bemishle, in Mishle, in the book of Proverbs, Makar, Dibri, Rashi, Loshim, which is where the first citation comes from. Bir Rashi, Shaloshim, Mit, Ikimoiva, Yamat, Tal. So in Mishle, Rashi brings down, again, trying to explain this word that is anomalous. Rashi brings down that it is like what is used in Shaftim, in the prophets, in Shaftim and Judges, where it says that it's like, uh, no, that's Rashi's word, um, that by Yamatstal, that the, um, the dew was squeezed out of the fleece. The Imkain, Hayal Rashi, Kan Mi so if that's what he's using to explain the word mitz in Mishle, 
And here he's using the Pasuk from Mishle to explain Venimza. So why don't you, to begin with, give us the Pasuk Vayamatz Tal. If that is the best way to understand a little bit about this Edaman, give us that Pasuk. And there are two additional nuances. Aleph. If you're going to go in the order of how the books are presented to us in Tanakh, then the Nevi'im come before the Ksuvim. Shaftim comes before Mishle. Why not bring it down? And Beis HaPerish B'Mishle Nilmad Min HaPasuk B'Shaftim. And the second thing is that we understand the Pasuk of Mishle from the Pasuk of Shaftim. So like I said, just give us the Pasuk from Shaftim straight kind of seems like triangular and unnecessary. Hey, and then from among the two citations that Rashi did bring, Why does Rashi bring them out of the chronological order that the two psukim that he does bring appear in Tanakh? He brings a pasuk from Mishle, and then he brings a pasuk from Yeshayahu. So he brings a pasuk from, Nev- from Nevi'im after he brings a pasuk from Ksuvim. It should be the opposite. Unless, obviously, the Rebbe is going to point out, there is a very precise reason for why Rashi does this. Vav. The pasuk harishem in Mishle. So from the first citation that Rashi brings, which is from Mishli, Niskeres Haloshin Mitz Beis Pa'amim Le'il Minei Lifnei Mitz In that particular Pasuk itself, the Pasuk from Mishli, the word Mitz, again, which is related etymologically, appears twice above the instance which Rashi brought down. So the word Mitz appears three times in the Pasuk, and Rashi chooses the third instance. The entire pasuk, or the the, the 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 seminal parts of the pasuk, read like this: When you squeeze milk, butter will come out. And if you strike or you squeeze a nose, blood will come out. Rashi doesn't cite those. And instead, Rashi brings the third instance, which is mitzapayim, bringing out the anger. So these are the six questions that Rashi has, uh, that the Rebbe has on this Rashi, and now he's going to explain. And of course, what, what the Rebbe does first is explain what is Rashi's true question. Once we understand what is Rashi's true question, then we're in a position to understand exactly what Rashi did and didn't do. Base. Habir b'cholzeh. The explanation of all of this. Rashi loiba rak lefarish as tebas venimza. So Rebbe says, let me disabuse you of what you think Rashi's trying to do here. You think he's trying to just explain a word that is not seen often and that you, the Ben Chamesh the has not yet seen in Chumish. But that's not what he's trying to do. He's also elagam litarich she'ela hamisareris kan bepasak. Rashi is coming also to address a question that is aroused in this verse, in this passage. Why? Because v'nimtza kulashon nif'al. Because the word v'nimtza, and it will be squeezed out, is a passive cognate. 
Hainu, this means, it's almost like it will be done on its own. It's not an active verb, like you will squeeze out, but rather it will be squeezed out. It makes it sound like the blood will be squeezed out of its own volition on the wall of the Mizbeach. This will be done, this will happen somehow, either through you offering it on the Mizbeach, burning it on the Mizbeach, or through nipping off the head, or in some other fashion. The And this is, of course, not understood. Because min from the above Pasuk that comes before the Pasuk we are looking at, we already know we already know that in a korban oila, which this korban is mirroring, but in the form of a bird. So we know that generally speaking, not everybody, just like today, um, had the same uh, financial portfolio and socioeconomic bracket, etc. So the Torah gives choices. So a more wealthy person could bring an animal, a less wealthy person could bring a bird, and a less wealthy person yet could bring a meal offering. However, it has the same weight and it's for the same purpose. And so therefore we already know the different avidas that have to be done with the carbon oil that is brought with an animal. There has to be shkita, there has to be the slaughter, there has to be zrikas hadam, the sprinkling or the licking of the blood on the Mizbeach, and there has to be Haktara, there has to be the burning. Umemela. And so once we understand this, So now we have a question, which is, It's one thing if you're talking about the services of slaughter and burning. We see the parallel also in the Ayla that is brought of a bird. But with a bird, you have the nipping off of the head instead of the actual slaughter. Um, and you're going to have, of course, the burning. But we don't find something that will parallel the flicking or the sprinkling of the blood on the Mizbeach. And apparently this was a very important avoidance. So as much as we can't relate to it and we don't understand exactly what the efficacy is of this, um, but we know, you know, on Yom Kippur, we, you know, achas ba'achas, achas v'shtayim, like there's a whole, the, the, whatever was done with blood, um, you know, moving it from one receptacle to another, flicking it on the mizbeach, flicking it on the bottom of the mizbeach, flicking it on top of the mizbeach. There were all kinds of different avoidance with the blood. They are important. And, um, and that, the Rebbe says, is really what Rashi is coming to address. Where is the parallel Aveda with the blood in the Ayla that is brought of a, of a bird? Lachain, therefore, after Rashi brings the citations, the proof texts of what the word Venimza means, then he comes quickly and he adds that what appears to be in the Pasuk, a passive verb, that almost like it's going to happen by itself. No, it comes to the work of a person. 
And it's a very specific type of work. And what is it? He presses the site of the nip of the slaughter onto the wall of the Mizbeach. And the blood is squeezed out and it trickles down. And this is Alderach Avoidas Rikas Hadamalamizbeach. And so this is modeled in the same kind of paradigm as the flicking or the sprinkling of the blood on the Mizbeach. And with this, the Rebbe has answered one of his six questions, which is why does Rashi not put the um, description of what they did in a separate Dibrahamaskil? And the Rebbe says, very simply, because he's coming to teach us something more than just what the word venimsa means. First, he does have to tell us what the word means by showing us other places in Tanakh that it's used. But the real question he wants to address is, where is the sprinkling of the blood? And that's what he does. Gimel. Alpizem muban hatam shabacha rashi lahavi raya mishneip sukum elu dafka. And once you understand what Rashi's real question is, then you can understand why Rashi chose these two psukim from the various psukim in Tanakh that have a word that is related etymologically to the word in our Pasuk. Because it's through these psukim specifically and precisely that Rashi is underscoring that the word in our pasuk venimtza, which seems to be passive, is related to and connected to a very specific pu'ula, very specific action on the part of a person. And that is the action of pressing. So, um, you know, I never related this, so, but maybe. It's not new to you, but for me, I just love like Edamans and word stories. So kvisa is the Hebrew word for a wash, for laundry. Because one of the things that happens in the kvisa is it gets pressed out. It gets wrung out. Just saying for next time we go to Israel. Okay. Mitchilas ha-pasa So now the Rebbe is going to show us what he means by why Rashi chose these two psukim out of all the other psukim in Tanakh uh, that have this same edamah. Mitchilas ha-pasuk from the beginning of the pasuk in Mishle, mitzchol of yoytzichema, again, that um, <clears throat> squeezing, and we'll, we'll, we'll soon get more specific in the uh, word group of squeezing, because you wouldn't exactly squeeze milk. Uh, you would beat it or whisk it or strike it. Yoytzichema, you'll get butter. And again, you wouldn't really like wring out a nose, but more like hit it. So you remember the Rebbe had a question about why did Rashi specifically cherry pick the last part of that Pasuk, which is the third time that the same word is used, mitz. And he uses it Mitzapayim, squeezing out the anger, rather than squeezing out the milk or squeezing out the nose. And the Rebbe says, why does Rashi do that? This is because the 
butter coming out of the milk and the blood coming out of the nose is not necessarily the result of a continuous action on the part of a person. Shelkvisa, of pressing, or lechitza, pressuring. Ella, al yedei chabata, but rather with the milk yielding butter, it's about striking it. Vahaka'a, it's about beating the nose. And more than this, more than it's not, even though the same word mitz is being used, but the usage of the word as related to milk or as related to a nose is not the same as what we need to understand about the word venimtza and our pasuk pressing out the blood from the bird. Why? Because it can happen without concerted effort, whereas the blood from the bird, you have to keep pressing on it. And even more so, and the Rebbe says, and sometimes this happens on its own. Sometimes the butter floats to the top on its own. And sometimes blood flows on its own from the nose. It's not necessarily that somebody punched you in the nose. You could get a nosebleed unprovoked by any action. Rebbe says, we see this practically. And that's why Rashi specifically brings that the pressing on the anger or the drawing out of the anger will lead to altercation, will lead to a fight. Because in that usage, it's most similar to what Rashi tries to explain to us about the blood being pressed out against the wall where a person has to keep holding their hand there. They have to keep doing the pu'ula. They have to keep doing the action. So it's the same thing. It's through pressing and pushing the anger that that you get into a fight, that you get into an altercation, nasis miriva. So I'm sure we could talk about this for a while. In other words, the Rebbe is saying that it takes effort to start a fight. It's not like, um, uh, what's it called? A spontaneous combustion. Uh, you know, it, it just happens. You have to you have to put some effort into it. You have to press it out. You have to draw it out. And, okay. But the Rebbe says, and now he's going to answer another question. This will be the third question that he's answering, which is why did Rashi bring down more than one citation? He says, but this is not enough. This alone would not be enough. Why? Because it's true. What this, why Rashi brought this first citation is because with this citation, he wants to show one, that there has to be effort on the part of the person, and second, that it's a continued effort. But it's not a physical effort. It's not a physical action. 
It's not like what Rashi explains had to be done with the gullet of the bird, that it had to be pressed against the wall and then the blood would drain from it. It's not like that because when you're when you have an argument, it's it's not a physical thing you're doing. That's why Rashi brings down the second citation, which is that the ringing out has been discontinued. And there Rashi explains the that this is talking about milk and butter that are pressed out, that are wrung out. So note the Edaman in Nishatim of Schita, which is one of the Lamites uh, Melachis, right? We're not allowed to wring out on Shabbos. Shazu This is an action. And it's not something that happens through hitting, you know, you don't hit the udder of the cow and the milk comes out, you have to wring it out, you have to press it out, and it takes concerted and continued action. Okay, fine. So then why didn't Rashi bring only the second citation? Why did he bring the first? In the second, it would seem that we have both an action and we have a similar action. But this would not have been enough on its own either. Why? Because in that second citation, you could say that tevas mats, that the word there of ringing or pressing or compressing, is actually not underscoring the action of um, pressing. It's not a verb, it's a noun. It's describing what would be gained through the, um, the wealth and the honor of having many sheep and many um, cows, having a lot of cattle. In other words, the Rebbe is saying, Ki Efes Hamad serves a very important purpose because it's both a physical action that's similar to what was done with the bird on the Mizbeach, and it's continuous. So it serves all three of those purposes that the other two don't. The only problem here is that it's not clear that it's so much addressing a verb, the action, but it might be addressing what you gain from having so much sheep or so much cattle. You get the result, you get the derivative. This is all a result of the fact that you own these flocks from which you can press out so much milk and so much butter. Keperush Rashi Sham, like Rashi explains there, Hamit Shalcha Oishrecha Ukfoidecha. What you press out is your wealth and your honor and your prestige. Shahayalacha Ali Date Sainho Ubakarcha. That you have 
through the fact that you own all these sheep and all these cattle. That you pressed out from them the milk and the butter. So the word hamatz there, again, might not be speaking so much about the action of squeezing or milking or pressing or compressing, but more about a description of what you own. And now he answers a fourth question, why Rashi had to bring both, but also why he put the one from Mishle before the one from Yeshayahu. As Haraya mitz apayim, he brought the, the words mitz apayim from Yeshayahu, shesham hayraz tevas mit, he pu'ulas halachitza mamash. Because in that verse, in that pasuk, it's, actually speaking about the squeezing, the compressing, the pressing, the milking, whatever term you want to use. The striking, the ringing, there's so many words that are in this family. Dalit. So in case you're thinking, okay, maybe Rashi could have just solved all of his problems elegantly by bringing, instead of these two psukim, each one of which is missing something, just bring this perfect pasuk from Shaftim, which of course you're going to now hear. The Rebbe sees the imperfections by Yomatz Tal Min Hagazna, that the dew was wrung from the fleece. Shehi Asiya. So here we have ringing, we have an action. The Rebbe says, But in that pasuk there in Shaftim, before the words, and he wrung out the dew, he wrung out the fleece. There's another word used there for ringing. So Rashi is explaining that by Yazer means that he wrung out the fleece. And after the ringing out was already done, then move on, then it's understood, that squeezing out the dew, that was a second step that came after Vayazar. Is not talking about again the actual action of ringing, pressing, compression. Ella al yitzias hatol minagaza. Rather, it's describing the way in which the dew left the fleece. Kesiyum hapasuk, like we see from the end of the verse, by yamatz tal minagaza, the dew left was squeezed out from the fleece. And it filled the receptacle with water. So one of the things that's so important that we can learn from this is that, uh, and we already know this, you know, context, context, context. Like it's not enough just to take, take a look at part of a pasuk or part of a paragraph because the same words can have very different meanings depending on the context of the larger verse or the larger paragraph and so on and so forth. So the Rebbe has now explained why Rashi does not use the term, the pasuk that he used in Shaiftim. And therefore, it's not the proper example for our case here. 
Shabai v'nim tzadamai, because in our case, again, the word v'nim tzadamai, and you shall press out the blood, it comes to speak not of what a person will gain from the blood leaving, not about the blood leaving the bird, but about the person pressing on that site of the bird and pressing out the blood. Masha in Canaan contradistinction, the Mishle, Barashi, Lafarish, the Sada Shabash, or Kulshoshis and Yanim, Hamor and Bepasso. But why does Rashi bring down the Pasuk from Shaiftim in Mishle? Because in Mishle, Rashi is coming to another thing. He's coming to explain to the, to the one who is learning the Pasuk in Mishle what the three instances of the word mitz, how they are all, uh, they all share a common denominator. Mitz chalav, the pressing of milk. Mitz af, the pressing of the nose, and mitz apayim, the compression of the anger. Because it's not like what you do with milk. Af apayim, the nose is different, the anger is different. Ki on the contrary. Each one of these three instances, the ringing, pressing, compression, drawing out, striking, whatever word you want to use, it's different. But what they do share, all three, they share us the same effect. That something comes out. That something comes out from, in each case, the ringing, the pressing, the striking, the whisking, uh, whatever term you want to use, they all yield a result. And so in order for Rashi to make that point, there it is, um, the correct uh, citation and proof text to bring the Pasuk from Shaiftim by Yamat Hatal that the dew was wrung out, because in that pasuk it speaks about what left the fleece, that the dew left the fleece through it being wrung out. And so no once we understand all of the above, it's understood. And now it's abundantly clear why Rashi doesn't give us the actual instructions of the pi'ula, of the action, in a separate Dibra HaMaschil. And he brings it rather as a continuation of the citations that he uses to clarify the, the terminology. Because in order to understand why he would bring those citations to explain the pi'ula, the action, you have to understand what was actually done with the bird on the wall of the Mizbeach. And then you will understand why Rashi brings those particular psukim and not others. Because remember, Rashi's real question is, where is the parallel to Zrika Saddam? So he wants to underscore that this is the parallel and 
exactly how it was done and where we find the Tanakh Sukim that mirror this usage of the term. Hey, Avaladayan ain't a movement, but it's still not understood. Why is it so necessary here to underscore that the pressing of the blood happened specifically in the way that it did, pressing on the place of the slaughter? or the death, the nipping. And because Rashi wants to underscore that it was done through this pressure point, that's why he has to bring down these two specific psukim, not others. But why is it so important? Exactly how the blood flowed. So we might say, based on what we said above, because once Rashi alludes to the fact that Venimza, that the pressing of the blood out of the bird is in the same style and is in place of the sprinkling of the blood on the Mizbeach, so then it makes sense to postulate that there is also a um, similarity in how this is done. And this would be specifically if it's done through pressing, pressing on the place where the bird was killed. Let's say if the blood would leave the bird through hitting the bird, like in the Pasuk, that the nose bleeds because you hit the nose. Then again, like the Rebbe said above, it's not a situation where the blood flows only as long as you are pressing, as you are hitting. Because you know, you could punch a person in the nose, you could hit them, they could fall, and the nose could continue to bleed for a while, even after there's no continued compression on the nose. The blow begins the flow of the blood. And then the blood continues to flow on its own for a while. But in contradistinction, the liquids that flow through pressing, like milking uh, an animal or something like that, so the continuation of the flow of the liquid, is the result of continued compression on the part of a person or in, in common, in modern times, it's a machine. But the point is continued compression, continued squeezing, continued milking. And because Rashi wants to underscore to us that these words in the Torah of Nimtza Damai, that you should squeeze out its blood, is parallel to the sprinkling or the fleek, um, flicking of the blood 
on to the Mizbeach, Hanasis Kulei Depeulas HaKoyen, and that is done through a constant action of the Koyen, Al-Kain Pirish Rashi Shakenu Gambev Nimtzadamai. Therefore, Rashi, not in a separate place, but right away where he's explaining the word, tells us how this happens. It happens, it happens through ringing, it happens through pressing, it happens through compressing on the place where the bird was killed. Okay, with this, the Rebbe has answered all six questions that he asked. And now we get to the part that you're waiting for. Okay, so who would ever think that this kind of Rashi has a lesson for us, right? Again, this kind of Rashi, which we, whatever, not the Rashi you're going to teach to your second graders, fifth graders, eighth graders, even high schools. You do him divrei harambam, haramban. The Rebbe says it's known, the words of the Ramban, regarding the different aspects of service that were done with each korban. And each of these services was not just stam, but each was a component in the kapara and the atonement process of the person. And the Ramban writes, a person must think during this process, right? You can't just bring an animal. Like the Abish is not looking for barbecue. It's all about the inner landscape and what's happening on the part of the person. So the person has to think that he sinned to his God with his body, with his soul. And actually he deserves that, God forbid, his blood should be should be um, should flow, and his his body should be burnt. Lule chesed haboyer, if not for the kindness of the Creator, shalokach mimenu truma, that took from him something in his stead. Damoi dahakorban tachas damoi nefesh tachas nefesh. He took the the Abishur accepts the blood of the korban instead of his own blood. He accepts the body of the korban instead of his own. And this is also why specifically the specific fats of each korban and the blood had to end up on the Mizbeach. Because what does fat and blood symbolize in our life, in kind of our overtures and expression? The blood embodies the pleasure, and the passion, and the enthusiasm. No, sorry. The chelev is the tainuk, sorry. The fat is the pleasure, and the reticha and the slavos, the passion and the enthusiasm, are the blood. And so the pleasure, the passion, enthusiasm, all three, this all has to be brought as an offering to God, to give it over completely to Hashem. This is where our passion should go. This is where our enthusiasm should go. This is where our pleasure should go. In other words, fine, it's okay to um, do what we have to do in the world of Gashmias, fine. 
But, you know, again, like the, the famous words of feet in Galoshin is good, but a head in Galoshin is, is, is not okay. So um, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I, me, like uh, many other people in this class, were old enough to remember when Crown Heights had one restaurant, um, when people, yes, they, they hosted Shabbos and Yom Tiv, there's no question about it. And people always wanted to make nice meals. But, but the koch and the bren and the, the, the whole culture surrounding the, the, the gashmi, is, it's, it's just, it's another world today. It's just, a, anyway, whatever. I'm just old fashioned. What do I know? But, Wait, so, um, so, the, so he's saying here that all of that is, is not necessary? He's saying it's necessary to be channeled yeah. towards Abishter. Where does the chalev and the dumb belong? It belongs on the korban. Right, okay. You know, okay, good. So maybe you could say that the korban is the Shabbos meals and the Yom meals. Good, okay. Uh, You know, and and if you have to make these gorgeous whatever, so more people will come to pull us, you can still find a place for that. But there's a lot of other stuff that's just, there's just so much emphasis on the Gashmias. It just, it didn't exist by us Hasidim, you know, earlier. Just, it just wasn't a thing. But it's another, another whole story and I should not editorial. Well, it's Zelomazer. Meaning? On one hand, us ladies sitting here learning Sikhs of the Rebbe, we didn't have that then either. Ah, so why can't we have more of this? <laughs> you could no. I'm saying it's okay for you for us to work on it, but I'm just saying we have to acknowledge that there's a lot of more gashmis in this world, and there's a lot more ruchnis also, and that's just the way it is. It has to have that balance, otherwise there won't be a balance anymore. And Hashem wants this balance. Okay, I hear you. I I hear. Thank you. And so therefore, at the end of the Terry's description of the first category of carbonis, which is the carbon oila, carbon oila, bare gam oila mechaperes al mitzvah and the oila is the carbon that comes to atone on positive mitzvahs and also prohibitions linked with a positive mitzvah, medayik Rashi. So Rashi is very specific. So Rashi underscores the overture that parallels the flicking or sprinkling of the blood on the Mizbeach, which Rebbe says here is actually the main inning of Kapara in a, in a Korban. Because the Rebbe says that what he wants to illuminate here is that the, the essence and the content of atonement of Riyah Karban is the ringing and the pressure that is brought to bear on the person's soul. The bending and subduing the self-abnegation, and only when you do that internal pressure washing, let's just say, and only then, through this ringing, 
does the passion, reticha means boiling, the boiling passion, and the hislavos and the enthusiasm, in the taiva towards this world, only then does it leave, does it flow out like the blood flowed from the bird. It takes work because once this roiling passion enters our bloodstream, enters our mindset, enters our culture, it's very hard to squeeze it out because everybody's doing it. So everybody's child is telling them that everybody else has kach, the kach, the kach, the kach. And everybody else has this on their table and that on their table. And everybody else eats this and that and that. And everybody else's kiddish has this and this and this. It's like, you. it's very hard to get out of that morass. And that's why Rashi brings down that Venimza is etymologically similar to the squeezing out of anger. Because in this idea, this construct of that through the pressing out of anger, through the prolong- prolongation of anger, there emerges this fight. There comes to expression in illusory form, in a remez, the main content of what a chet is. And also, and also the way that we do tshuva and the way in which we derive atonement for a chet. Only the Rebbe Zayin. Zayin. Regarding anger, Amru Razal, our sages taught us, call hakayis kilo Anybody who gets angry, it's like he served a vaydazara. Ukabir Abenu Hazakin, and like the Altareb explains in Igaris Hakaydesh, Lefisha Be'ez Ka'asai, because when a person is in the throes of their anger, Nistalka Mimenu Ha'emuna, it means that his faith in Hashem leaves him. Because if you would really believe that this is from Hashem, whatever the this is that he's angry about, he would not be in he would not be in anger at all. This is to say that anger expresses the distance between the person and God. So much so that it's It's as if he is. Worshipping idols. And really, this is the central point of every Avera. Kibir Abeno Hazake, like the Altareb explains. Because in every Avera that a person trespasses the will of Hashem, he separates himself at that moment from God. So it's a little bit of the same effect of Avaydazarah. So this is the inner understanding of those last few words of that Pasuk in Mishle that when you press on anger or you prolong angry anger, a, a, a fight will follow. Because through doing an Avera, you get into a fight, an altercation with God. 
שמאחה שבכעס הדבר הוא בהדגשה באופן בוילט. It's only that with anger it's even more obvious, it's even more expressed. שלא יקבל אבירס אחרס, whereas in other אבירס, הרי הוא רק על אבירס מסוימת נאמר כאילו אבירת אבירת זרה. ולכן הוא אומר, that's why it's only about certain אבירס that it says it's as if you served idol worship. Because even though the Altreb explains to us that every single Avera is like Avedezara, because every single Avera is about putting distance between you and Shem. But in some Averas, it's more blatant. Ka'as, anger is one of those. Alkei nemar hadavar apayim. That's why Rashi brings the words mitzapayim. the pressing of anger, because in this Avera, it's more prominent. And remember that the whole carbon oila is to get kapara on the trespass of Averas. So it's like to say that um, if your spouse really hates when you do something, it could even be like a tiny little stupid thing If you love them, you're not going to do that. And it's true that you're not draining their bank account or doing something else heinous or whatever. Um, but it's still an infidelity. It's still a trespass. It still puts distance between you. And when a person brings a karba and he does teshuva on his trespasses, then there is also this process of pressing on the anger and an altercation emerging. But now it's about his pressing or compressing on his anger. And he incites his on his Yetzahara. And this is generally the process of tshuva. And I'm just going to give it away now, just so because I think sometimes when you have it before, it clarifies something. The Rebbe is going to say that's why he doesn't say Mitzaf Yitziriv. It says Mitzapayim. It's plural. Angers, because there's an anger that brings the trespass against Hashem, and then there's an anger against the Yitzhara that brings the tshuva. It's happening in two ways. Again. A person suppresses and crushes that brought him to trespass the celestial will and to separate himself from godliness. And through tshuva, there's also an altercation. The altercation this time is in my Yitzhahara. And that's why it says here, because both the anger that brings the fight with God, God forbid, and on the other side of things, 
the suppression and the anger that brings him to separate himself from the Isser, from the prohibition, when he's doing tshuva, when he's bringing the carbon, the plural term apayim alludes to both of these fights, both of these angers, as it were. The Rebbe says, but there could still arise another question. Because a Jew really has no connection to Averis. What, what kind of connection does a Neshama have with Averis? The whole thing is illogical. And like the Alter Rebbe told us, or you could say that the Alter Rebbe defined for us, Yehudi, what's a Jew? A Jew is one who does not want to and cannot be separated from godliness. So what's the connection between a Jew and an Avera? But when a Jew stumbles with an Avera, this is actually a libel it's a ruse. This is something that the Ebishter contrived to happen from above. And therefore it says, nobody will be banished from before you. At the end, every single one of B'nai Yisrael has to return to tshuva. Not because they're going to be forced to, but because this is our default. Because the whole union of sinning is the overlay that doesn't belong to us. In Cain, therefore, so then who needs the whole chait? If we're anyway going to return to our pristine holiness, if we're going to return to our default inability to be affected by an Avera, why does the Abish to cause us to stumble? Right, Chassid just speaks about this over and over. Why did the Eibushter make the chay, the make the Eitz Hadas and warn them not about it if the Eibushter didn't want them to eat from it? Why did the Eibushter make that they should sin with the with, with the chay to Egel? For this, Rashi brings down the next. That there is a cessation to what will flow out. And this refers to the milk that is squeezed out or milked out or wrung out from the sheep and the cattle. It refers to the milk that um, is derived through the process of ringing and pressing. And metaphorically, this is the ringing and the pressing that is part of the tshuva, and the milk is the result of the tshuva. What comes out of the person after tshuva is like milk. I feel like right here somebody would say, listen to what the Rebbe is going to say next. Chalav mitzad Milk by itself. Yesh kasal There's a possibility. Betoyas emes 
in the terror of truth, that milk should have been forbidden. Why? Because the milk, I'm sorry, the blood of the body thickens and it becomes milk. So in other words, we're not allowed to drink blood. Why are we allowed to drink milk? And we're not allowed to eat Eber Menachai. We're not allowed to eat a limb off of an animal. So why should we be able to have a derivative of the animal, the milk? Ella, it's, it's anomalous. But the novelty of the Torah is that Hashem said it's permitted. And not only it's permitted, it's not just permitted. It's, it's something that, that we say is a, um, a praise for Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Zavas Chalav Advash. Chalav is something that we uh, look at with, with great, um, well, I don't know. Today, Chalav's getting uh, uh, a lot of competition. Right. Oat milk and the almond milk and the rice milk and the soy milk. And the, there must be 16 other types of milk. And, and people, you, if you ask someone milk in their coffee, you have to qualify cow's milk or what kind of milk. So, but in general, milk is a uh, It was, it was a praise. So the fact that milk can be ingested by us shows an in of his transformation because there really is a kasal that it should be something that's also, but it becomes mutter. Transformation. It's Dover Shahiat Seraklius Asor, Al Pihataira, Vahataira Matirasai Baaf Mishbachtai. According to Taira itself, it should have been prohibited. Not only does the Taira transform it into something permissible, but it also becomes something praiseworthy. And it's the same thing spiritually in the analog. Tachlis Hakavana Bemitsa Paim Yotse Riv. The ultimate goal of us sinning, of us getting into a fight with the Abish Jachas B'Shalom, and then later doing tshuva, getting into a fight with the Yitzhahara, Shetchila of our Adam Avera, Menasa Mizah Inishal Riv First, the person did an Avera, and there was a um, distance and a fight with Hashem. Then he compresses, he presses, he rings out, he gets into a fight, Ima Yitzhahara. What's the tachlis of all this? What's the tachlis of Gavana? Hilashem inyan hayeskafya v'shafka. It's all for the purpose of the bending, the abnegation, and the transformation. Hafichas haralatayif, forming the evil, the bad, to goodness. Kimavur betanya. But the Altarab explains in Tanya, but perish hapasul kol Paul Hashem lemaaneu begam rasha liyom ra. Al-Tareb explains this on the words, everything that Hashem does is for him and even the Russia and his day of evil. What does this mean? That ultimately the Russia will come back from his evil. And his bad will even be transformed to become become the yoim ra will become yoim va'or lamaila will become daytime, daylight, goodness, and light above. And through this, this becomes a pleasing fragrance to Hashem. It has many other sikhas on what does it mean, obviously it's not the smell of barbecue. 
Nachas Ruach Lakadosh Baruch Hu becomes Nachas to Hashem, Midvarim Harifim, Oymechumatzim. You know, um, Altahab explains that there's different, just like people have different preferences in, in food, their, in their palate, so too there are different types of Nachas Ruach given to the Abishter. Some come from sweet things, but some are sharp and salty things, but they are seasoned. I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I think, but they are um, fixed properly. They become gourmet foods to revive the soul. And this brings down HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all of the worlds. And it's 11.04. Um, so wishing everybody a good day and the Shataka be Yeshua's in, in the whole world and everybody that needs a Yeshua and needs help right now and needs to safety and, and good health, everything. Koltov should come to everybody in this Chaydash Adar. In this, in, in this year where the Rebbe said that it's uh, all the Ra has to become Batal B'Shishim. So we should see how it all becomes Batal B'Shishim in the Simcha of Adar. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>